How you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Good. I barely get to see you in person anymore. I know. They, they're all, we're all ships passing in the night around here. But I, I don't think it's going to change, though. I think that once uh, this is all over with, I think we've, we've gotten into a system that works for us. You know, it's, uh, I, was, I spent all day yesterday working from home. And I, and I called my home the submarine because I'm in there. And, you know, if you ever saw the back house that I do my work in, and there's nothing fancy about it, you know. But, but I could really concentrate. You know, I'm doing, you know, I'm in contact with everybody constantly. But there's just something about not having somebody come and knock on my door and be able to really power down and get some work done. So I think that I think we're, we're really turned for the, the better with regard to this COVID thing, you know, and stuff. And when this is all done, the whole world has changed. Absolutely. I feel the same way, that things that I have to really focus uninterrupted time, that's home time, right? Like I can really – I have that situation too. I don't have little kids, you know. But um, And then, of course, there's certain things that – you just have to be here for documents and yeah. if I need to obviously notarize, you know, um, but it's, it, it's a good balance. Yeah. And I think for your work too, cause you do what we call a lot of transactional work, uh, a lot more than I do. So you need that peace and quiet and, you, and the interferences are not welcome and stuff. So if you could at the peace of your home, I'm sure that you're way more productive. Absolutely. And I'll tell you the, the remote court appearances are the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, that's, what I was, that's what I said, too. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, we just had a podcast with uh, Mine K, or Mine H, I think it was. And uh, it's same thing. We were talking about how wonderful it is to be able to do that. And it's good for the client. I mean, it's just not the attorney. The clients are, are, are really treated nicer with that. They don't have to sit around and be stared at by the bailiff and, you know, you know be quiet. Get ready to bubble gum mm. in your mouth and, you know, and, and have to park, in, you know, 10 miles away from the courthouse and all that. It really, it's very, very nice. I have some clients um, more than you that are from out of town too, right? So, and they don't have to go, but it's nice for them to just call in and for a half an hour hear what happens. Yeah. Like it's, we've had that opportunity a few times now and it's just, you know, it's, it's neat for them to see what happens. Yeah. It just shows you that old adage that, you know, with uh, struggle comes good things and mm -hmm. stuff, you know, and when we get out of this, uh, we'll be all, all the, those of us who have survived, I should say, because there's been a lot of tragedy and death, but the people that survived COVID, I think are going to have a better world, working world at least. Right. So what, one of the things I was going to say is here we are, is it the last week of January? We're in the last week of January uh -huh. and, yep. and the uh, COVID uh, vaccine shots are now kind of filtering through. But the thing that's killing me is, is that, you know, we've got the ability of administering them, but there's not enough vaccines, that's you true. know, and that's scary because I just saw that Biden, who was doing his very best to, to get the vaccines out. I mean, he's he's pouring money at it so that, you know, by summer we'll, we'll have this, you know, additional 100,000 or whatever it is. And I'm thinking I thought that was going to be done like March or April or something, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, does it speak of our generation? You know, the in World War II, as you know, our grandparents went to the factories and they built tanks and airplanes and bombs and missiles and uniforms and everything else, and they were able to churn out enough stuff to go over there and defeat, you know, a, a really nasty enemy. Uh, you know, it, it just surprised me that we can't produce those things quicker. Maybe it has something to do with the chemical or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of moving parts. That's a big part of it. But, um, yeah, I agree that it's – I just want the vaccine. I keep joking that I'm going to get a fake ID saying I'm 65. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the lookout for that. If anybody knows where I can get one. <laughs> well, Maria said, you know, you know, uh, the 65-year-olds are coming. I'm like, don't rush me. You know? <laughs> I want the vaccine, but I don't want to be 65 right now. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we decided that we're going to talk today uh, because I found an appellate court decision that brings our worlds together, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the probate world and the family law world. Right? And uh, this is going to be a very interesting discussion. So uh, what's the name of the case? Uh, Moore v. Superior Court of Orange County. Okay. So I'll say this is that I think that I know the appellate court judge that wrote this decision. Uh, he used to be a criminal defense attorney, if I got the right guy, and I'm pretty sure I do. Mm -hmm. And he was very good. He was a very nice man and very good at what he did. I think he went to the Superior Court, and I don't know if he's been appointed to the appellate court, if this is the same guy or not. But, um, you know, he, he wrote this decision, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the things that he didn't include in the decision. But why don't you set up the facts for us? This is a doozy. <laughs> Um, so the, the, the underlying case is actually something that we talk about quite a bit, which is um, a, a mother was awarded child support in a family law matter. The father got a distribution from a trust, a $100,000 distribution from a trust from his, it appears that his father passed away, so his stepmother um, is the beneficiary of the trust, but he's he's a contingent beneficiary. So he got a distribution of $100,000, and he was behind on his child support payments. So mother went into um, probate court and sued the trust, not sued, but brought brought an action against the trustee of the court of the of the trust to say, I'm due my child support. Like I, you know, that money should be coming to me. So how much child support was owed to her? I want to say it was $86,000. Around there. My, but it was a good amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the trustee said uh, this was not a distribution. He's not even, he hasn't even vested in it because the stepmother was still alive, which is all true. I would have made those same arguments. Um, and but the distribution was a loan. So well, you already are giving me insight that I didn't even know. I mean, when I read through this, I skipped over all of this. Oh, that was the interesting part to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the other stuff is like exciting and crazy, yeah. but this was the interesting thing to me because we talk about this, right? Is someone who's the beneficiary of a trust are they entitled to it? Can we go after what their interest is to collect to, child to support. collect child support, right? So the court actually found, and I can't remember, this part I don't remember the specifics, but um, one of the things that they said was um, that the, the trustee has to give notice to the mother if there was ever a, a, any further distributions from the trust, which I thought was really interesting. Um, <clears throat> but the court did seem to think that... Um, no, sorry. That, that did seem to think there was something there, right? The, right. The, the dad was getting money, and so something. Yeah. Should so happen. let's 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 put this in context. Here's a gentleman that owes roughly eighty six thousand dollars in back child support, which means he hasn't been paying. I mean, mm -hmm. this guy is your classic deadbeat dad, and he comes across some money, or he will come across some money of inheritance, and he has no intention of applying a single dollar to the child support obligation. Exactly. So. Can we call him a bad guy? Yeah, I think okay. so. And, and coincidentally, his last name is X-E-X, -E which is really <laughs> funny. <laughs> but so it ended, so the, it ended up going to, um, so now we're talking about, so the dad is out of it at this point. It's the trustee of the trust and mom, right? And they end up going, getting sent to a mandatory settlement conference. Um, the attorney for the trustee um, 
does a couple of things. First of all, they don't submit. A, they were ordered to submit a, a statement, right, a mandatory settlement conference statement five days before, which they didn't do. And then they got to the the conference and just sounded like was acting crazy. I mean, it didn't even last 20 minutes or something, right? Is that yeah. Am I getting yeah. that part right? Yeah. So you have to do a lot in 20 minutes. And he um, basically, uh, what the, the settlement officer said was he didn't act in good faith. He didn't comply with the court order and he didn't act in good faith. Like you, you don't have to go to a settlement conference. You don't have to settle, right? But you have to go at least with an open mind and act in good faith that if there's a possibility. But this was a lot more than that. I mean, he was in there interrupting, uh, basically grandstanding, uh, to, you know, talking about, you know, the, the other side didn't uh, file appropriate uh, points and authorities, and, but he didn't have any counter. I mean, he was the, the you know, he was the pig in the parlor, right? I yeah. mean, this guy was somebody that thought that good lawyering was what? Yeah, and they said it went even beyond the, the, the typical posturing or saber-rattling, right? Like, there's a difference, and they say this, in between being a, an advocate, you know, a good advocate, and just storming in and, you know, pounding the table. Um, <clears throat> he, yeah, he called the um, opposing counsel a liar, um, wouldn't let them finish, either opposing counsel or the, the judicial officer or the settlement officer. <laughs> like not a good way to get people on your side, right? Yeah, yeah. So it, my reading of the case is that um, I didn't know that. So the settle, the trustee would probably be somebody that's related to the deadbeat dad. I'm going to guess. Yeah, it didn't right? say. Didn't actually. say who it was. It wasn't specific. But this case isn't about the trustee at all. It's about the attorney representing the trustee and his associate. But the associate wasn't really penalized. But but it was that the main attorney, and they go into the settlement conference based upon the probate courts order that you shall uh, try to meet and confer and settle this. And I'm appointing a settlement officer that sounded like it was a judge pro tem. So maybe he was a uh, retired judge or somebody like that, right? Yeah, I, I think okay. that's correct. So he goes in there blistering, you know, and he's, he's he might not even sat down in his chair, but, you know, I, I picture this uh, guy with a red face and smoke can come out of his ears. Um, and it, people are trying to say, hey, settle down. Let's just try to talk. And he's just disrespectful to the settlement officer calling people liars, you know, really, really not even acting like an attorney. And I always tell people that uh, it doesn't take a lot to be that type of an attorney, right? I mean, you could learn that in the schoolyard as a, as a kid, right? right, to be a bully. So the settlement officer has enough of it, and he closes it down. And it was just, I think that it was maybe 17 minutes or something like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I think you're right. So, I mean, that, that's probably the quickest uh, settlement conference I've ever seen, you know. And what does he do next? He writes a declaration. A declaration, yeah, and submits it to the court. And the, and the court, from what I remember, then calls him in to testify. Here's some more evidence. And then what does the court do? Um, the court charges him. Well, there's a bunch of things, right? Isn't that part of it? Yeah. They have to – I can't remember what he, that – they, they want to find him uh, – uh, bring him, bring contempt against him, whatever. Yeah, so uh, this right. is the part that was interesting to me is, is that <laughs> what the court did – and probate court, maybe those judges uh, you know, have more – authority or, you know, whatever it is, but I love this. He says, I'm, I'm going to uh, issue an order to show cause regarding contempt of court against this attorney, right? Right. And based upon the judge pro tem statement that he has been, you know, acting that way. So this is an interesting case because when we talk about contempt, 
typically we deal with in family court and most courts is when a party is not complying with court orders. So, you know, you know, the judge orders a party to pay child support or spousal support. Like and, they, and Yeah. I mean, he probably could have been in contempt for mm-hmm. that, right? Um, you know, or, you know, you shall turn over the keys to the car. Mm-hmm. And, nope, I'm not going to do it. Well, guess what? You're in violation of the court order. There's a different other type of contempt, and that's being uh, disrespectful to the to the judicial officer. If you're in court and you're making faces at the judge and you're you say something off color to the judge and you know you're really messing with the judge's authority and and, uh, system you know you could be in a personal contempt like that as well but this one was different to me because it it wasn't in court it was about in a settlement conference so the judge says uh come here we're gonna have a hearing and we're gonna find out whether you're in contempt so the judge uh uh, creates. I, I don't know if he had created or if the other the other attorney did, but there were four counts mm-hmm. of contempt. Right. What happened next? Yeah. So well, that um, basically it went to trial. I think. Right. It did. If I remember it, it that. It did. But yeah. before it went to trial, if I recall, that the the bad guy attorney writes a declaration, and he says, "I'm sorry." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, everything I did was tactical in nature, and it really wasn't contemptuous, but I apologize for what I did. I forgot about that. And he also did that at the end of his testimony yeah. at the trial. Yeah. Like, he went, he defended himself, and he said, I meant to do this, but I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> so that tells me that that's not a good defense for contempt. Right, right. right. I mean, you say that at sentencing, maybe, you know, but uh, so he goes, he goes through the hearing, and I think that the, the somebody, t- one of the, the mother, the mother who was, was owed support, she testified. She did. And then the uh, uh, settlement officer, he, I don't know if he testified again or not, but they heard, oh, it was from the attorney representing the, the mother yeah. who testified. And they both said, you know, what this guy was doing in the settlement conference. And, and the attorney kind of admitted, the bad guy attorney admitted that, yeah, maybe I went over the line a little bit here, you know. And, you know, and, and, he, and he kind of agreed that his, his behavior was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I've been an attorney for 27 years, and I do have the benefit of being a former police officer and a former prosecutor, but I could tell you that when you're charged criminally, you don't talk to the police, and you hang on to that Fifth Amendment right <laughs> unless you have to go up there and stand. And t- I mean, he didn't have to say anything. You know, it, there might have not even been a finding if he didn't, like, make a culpa and say, yeah, I, you know, I, basically I was in contempt. So the court uh, found him in contempt of four counts, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, and and well, and they uh, found um, that he needed to pay the other side's attorney's fees, and he had to report it to the state bar. Yeah, and the the sanction was over a thousand dollars. I mean, it was pretty hefty because it was I don't know if it was a thousand dollar per count or whatever it was, but you know, if you if an attorney gets sanctioned for more than a thousand dollars, I believe, then it's automatically you have to report that to the oh. state bar. So this was a very hefty sentence on this on this attorney. So not surprisingly, he appeals. Yes. What does the appellate court do with this? Well, they overturn four of the counts. I don't exactly remember the details, but they definitely overturned the attorney's fees because there was nothing, there was no statute authorizing that, which was not surprising to me. In probate court, it's very difficult to get attorney's fees for the other side, um, regardless of what it is. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mike, a lot of clients really want it, and it's nearly impossible to get. Okay. but my recollection now is that it was a lot of the the, the um, kind of the fa- oh oh the due process argument right that's what he said he didn't receive proper due uh, notice 
um, that contempt. Regarding one of the accounts. And so that was tossed the, out, yeah. yeah, because that had to deal with him not uh, doing something in compliance with the court, and the court didn't have jurisdiction. But the, the main thing from what it was is that they had uh, taken one incident and charged three separate accounts of contempt. Right. And the court found that that was uh, in violation of his due process. You know, that, you know, it, in, as a former prosecutor, I do know this, is that when you do charging for criminal matters, if it's a continuous conduct, you don't get to say, okay, you know, 10 counts for every step that you took along the way to the bank to rob the bank, right? Right. You know, you have to, it's it's one, one uh, thing. So basically what the appellate court did was uh, consolidate the counts and say, okay, we find that you were in contempt, right. but we're just going to uh, uphold it as one count, and your fine is now only nine hundred dollars. So he doesn't have to yeah. report to the yeah. state bar. <laughs> yeah. And th- then at the end of the case, uh, the decision, the court says, well, even though you know he, the, the bad guy d- uh, attorney, might have uh, prevailed on some of his appeals, we don't condone his conduct. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's. <laughs> I obviously am not this kind of attorney, and we've all seen them, but my thing is always like, where are the advocates? But we're not the people fighting. Like, you don't, <laughs> we're, we're the professionals. Like, we have to act professionally, and, and you know, getting down in the dirt <laughs> is not helpful. What do you gain from that? Yeah. You know, I mean, are you, are you trying to impress your clients? You know, do you think you're going to intimidate the settlement officer? I mean, it really didn't make any sense. You know, so, you know, I told you that I, I think I know who this judge is, this appellate court justice, and uh, I was disappointed that there wasn't more uh, language in the decision talking about, you know, this is an example of poor attorney conduct, and, you know, the role of an attorney is to, you know, uh, defend the system, you know, represent people, you know, be an advocate, but at the same time, civility. And we've, I've seen many of those type of decisions in the past, they're old now, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I've taught a class uh, or two on civil advocacy. You can be an advocate, but you got to be civil at the same time. I just wish that the uh, this decision would have used the opportunity to say something again, especially to family law attorneys, you know, and, uh, you know, I, reading this also, I wish that there were more family law judges that were like this probate judge that says, uh, OSE recontempt, you know, because there's a lot of it. In, I, know, I don't know if there's more or less of it in, than in probate court, but there's a real lot of characters that are running around acting like this in family court. And it's like, all you're doing is, is racking up your client's fees. You're making it more difficult to settle. If we could just talk, you know, like professionals, we could probably get this thing done. And even in a trial, exactly. there's no, no reason you can't be civil during a trial. Interesting. You know, the other thing about this decision was the fact that there seems to be a vehicle to go after unpaid child support if there's a hint of the uh, money in a trust or something like that. I was wondering if I could talk to you about that a little bit. So you said that the woman was still alive, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and th- believe me, when I read this, I skimmed, I went right over it. And this is why it's great to have you reading the decision because you're adding a lot more detail to this than I would have known. So, so how, how do they even get to file anything? They just go to the probate court and they say, hey, this guy's Named, you know, I mean, it's. I thought it was always an expectancy for one. There's no uh, clear-cut uh, way of saying that he's going to get paid the money, but you file a motion and say... Well, the reason why she could do it was he received that $100,000. Oh, he did get That's it. That's why. Okay. So the, <clears throat> the, the trustee said it was a loan, like, afterwards. Okay. Um, 
and we don't really get a sense of what happened, you know, because that's not what the case is about. Um, so that's, yes, like it would be, I guess, similar if, you know, one of one of your clients was receiving a lot of money from their parent, right? You know what I mean? Like sometimes you can bring that in, can't you? Sure. If, you sure. know, um, so it's, it's a similar, um, I guess, a similar vehicle. But in this case, it's, you know, it's truly the trust and it's the trustee who did not appear to be the stepmother, um, from what I could tell. Um, so, and, and I'm sure the facts were pretty compelling, right? If you owe $86,000 in child support and you're getting a $100,000 chunk from a trust. I wonder if he should have filed this in family court. The woman should have filed this in family court because if it's, if it's a case where he already received the money, mm-hmm. then it's a matter of the family court saying, where is the money uh, that's going to child support and trying to enforce it that way. I mean, I, I'm not trying to armchair quarterback because it's really hard to collect judgments and go after deadbeat dads. It's not an easy task. But it, if what I'm hearing is, is uh, she goes into probate co- court saying, uh, probate court, um, he received this money. And, you know, they're saying there's a dispute over whether it's a loan or not. I guess that would have to be a fact that it had to be determined by the probate court. But if she loses, then the probate's going to go, yeah, it was a loan. What am I going to do for you, ma'am? I mean, it's not, it's not my jurisdiction, right? Right. You have to go to family court. Well, I guess part of it, though, too, is like in the future if he receives anything. So he, he, that order was issued, and, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe she went to probate court, right? We don't, I mean, maybe she also went to family court. We don't know. Yeah. You well, know, that'd be smart I mean, to do both, yeah. actually. Yeah, so maybe she did both and then wanted to pursue the trustee, you know, went into family court for him, what he got, and then went after the trustee in probate court. Cool. All right. Well, this was a great discussion. I yeah. really appreciate it a, uh, your input. It's a input. good case. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that I got to talk to you about this because, honest to God, you know, we, we operate in different worlds. You probably know more about my world because you sit in our attorney roundtable every single Friday, and you you sit there very patient and you listen to it, so you hear what we're talking about. But for me, I you know I just I had no clue, I and mean, that's that was really enlightening. So thank you. Well, thank you. Okay, see you soon. Okay, good. Bye.